Did you know that every time you listen to an ad on this podcast, you help cover the cost of producing Find Your Food Voice? Thank you to our sponsor, Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. Because of them, my team and I can continue our independent podcast. Equilibria is a women-owned wellness brand with unique science-backed products that help bring your mind and back my mind and body back into harmony. EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense is a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. It also promotes optimal vaginal pH. These probiotics were chosen because they are studied for women's health. And I love that you can subscribe. So if you find that Equilibria's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense helps you, you can subscribe so you don't have to think twice about running out and also save 25% off. I just started taking the Equilibria Daily Women's Microbiome Defense after a trip overseas that made my GI tract kind of funky. I am hoping that it helps make things just a little bit easier, easing back in. And also as a woman, as a woman in midlife, I'm always looking for ways to help with vaginal pH. If you are not in midlife yet, just be aware. It's a thing that is around the corner for you. So head to myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and much more. That's myeq.com and use code FOODVOICE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. All right, let's get back to the show. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Say goodbye to the food police and hello to peace. Welcome to the Love Food Podcast, hosted by award-winning dietitian and food behavior expert, Julie Duffy Dillon. This authentically engineered series is in the form of a love letter, welcoming you to reconnect with food. Now pour a cup of coffee or a margarita, and let's begin. And welcome to episode 28 of the Love Food Podcast. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and food peace promoter. I am so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. And I want to say hello to some new listeners. I have had the pleasure of being on a few podcasts lately. And I know there's some new listeners have may have just found me by listening to Paige Smathers podcast, um, Nutrition Matters, or Tanya Shaw's podcast, Fit and Vibrant You. So uh, those of you who are new, however you found me, welcome. I'm so glad you're here too. Um, We've been talking about food peace, and uh, we hope you enjoy this show. Today has a really um, brave, brave letter that I am just thrilled that this person wrote. I think there's going to be a lot of listeners who can identify what she has experienced in her life. And I was so excited to be able to speak with Christy Harrison, who's a dietitian and fellow body positive health at every size dietitian like me, um, who has a podcast. It's called Food Psych. If you haven't checked out Food Psych, definitely check it out because it is, um, you'll just find it's empowering and will help move you to continue with um, surviving this kind of 
diety type of culture. But anyway, I got the chance to call Christy to help me with this letter. And I just can't wait for you all to hear the wisdom that she brings to the Love Food Podcast. And um, before we listen to the letter, I want to let you know if you're new to the show or if you're looking for more ways to cultivate a more peaceful relationship with food, I do have a free weekly newsletter that I put out every Tuesday that I would love to be able to send to you. And um, all you need to do is just go to my website. It's juliedillonrd.com. And Dylan is spelled like Matt Dillon, not Bob Dylan. So it's D-I-L-L-O-N. So Julie dillonrd.com. Just go there and there's a little place for you to put in your email address and um, then I'll just send it to you every Tuesday. And And every newsletter has the podcast and also has some really interesting stuff that I've been able to um, see throughout the week to help continue to help you heal your relationship with food and find um, just more opportunities to experience body positivity. So enough about all that. Let's get to this week's letter. Dear Food, I know my relationship with you was damaged when it should have been flourishing at a very young age. At the age of 10, I was put on my first diet due to mysterious weight gain. My mom couldn't understand it. How I could go from a normal-sized little girl to a socially unacceptable weight. And she did what she felt was best for me and put me on a diet. What she didn't know was that I was stealing food and secret eating to comfort myself as a family member sexually abused me. Food, you became a companion to a scared little girl, and hiding away with you was where I felt safe. The trouble was, as dieting became a focus, I then felt ashamed of the secret eating and wanted so desperately to please my mom. Dieting and exercise became an obsession. Now, 20 years later, I have never not had an issue with food and have been on some kind of diet my whole life. As I write, I am battling with my body and feel completely ruined by the diet industry. I just don't trust myself not to diet. The fear of being fat is almost paralysis to me. Plus, to complicate matters, I still find great comfort in secret eating. Food, am I too damaged to restore our relationship? Where do I start when everyone around me is obsessed with dieting and I haven't found anyone who can help me find peace with you? Food, will I always be at war with you? Love damaged beyond repair. Hi there, damaged beyond repair. Thank you so much for your letter. And no... You are not too damaged to restore your relationship with food. And I hope you got a chance to listen to episode 27 of the Love Food Podcast. There was a letter writer who described hiding under the kitchen table when she was four, secretly eating food and how that soothed her and helped her cope with some chaos. And when I read your letter, I know you you talked about the age of 10 and I, I kind of visualize a similar experience. So first of all, please know that you're certainly not alone. Many people have found a way to cope with some really horrible, chaotic trauma in their life with food. So we have to always 
appreciate the functionality of food in these times. And we have to appreciate it and thank it for its service. And, you know, what I'm finding from reading your letter is that you never really got a chance to learn about your own body's connections because because of these traumas at an early age. And so you never really got to know your body in a safe way. You never got to really appreciate the subtle hungers you may be having, whether they're physical hungers, like snack hunger, meal hunger, or I'm hungry for a big salad, or I'm hungry for some French fries, or I would love some potato chips, or a smoothie, you know? Those are all different kinds of hungers that we feel that, um, our body will point out in very specific ways. And if you've been disconnected or never really given the permission to explore that different way of communicating, it may seem like your body communicates hunger and fullness through extremes like panic hunger and extremely full. And so as you navigate um, reconnecting with your body, you will notice over... um, probably a, a long period of time that, that those extremes become not quite as extreme. And I would love for us now to um, call a friend. I have a, a friend and colleague. Her name is Christy Harrison, and she's a dietitian that has a fabulous podcast. It was one of the very first um, Health at Every Size body positive podcasts out there She's a fabulous interviewer. Um, her podcast is called Food Psych. I want to give her a call because she's a dietitian that is an expert in this kind of reconnecting and healing uh, one's relationship with food. And for you, letter writer, I think she's going to be very helpful. So let's give her a call. Hi, Christy. It's Julie Duffy Dillon. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thanks. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to help me answer this letter for the Love Food Podcast. I'm super excited to hear what you have to say. Did you get a chance to read the letter? Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me too, by the way. Oh, yeah. (laughs) No, I mean, when I read this letter, I was like, Oh, I know Christy will have some insight. Like, Mm. um, you know, I know you've been working with uh, folks, helping them to experience more body positivity and help them to find food peace for a long time. So, and Mm. this is someone, wow. I mean, when she was saying that she's damaged beyond repair, I'm like, no, no, Mm. you're not damaged beyond repair. So I thought about you because I do feel like you have the experience um, and you, I'm, I'm guessing you're going to have some great insight. So, I am wondering, you know, when you read it, like, what's your general impression about what's going on? Yeah, yeah. So my first impression is to have just like, so much compassion for this person and what she's gone through. And just wow, you know, like, I think the the experience of going through something traumatic like that at a young age is really formative. And to me, this is sort of a an issue with trauma as well as with the food stuff. So it sounds like there's, you know, a couple pieces that she could work on to really help her life feel more manageable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think 
you know, it just, it really made me sad thinking about, you know, this happens a lot, I think to young kids where something traumatic happens and they turn to food for comfort sort of instinctually or just without realizing it. And then suddenly the food becomes the problem and the parent, you know, or whoever kind of responds to the food issue and doesn't quite get to the underlying issue. So then now they have two problems, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And the, and the whole time that the, the family may be assuming that it's just this food thing when really mm-hmm. there's this other thing going on and really the food was the thing that saved this person, you know, it helped them to, it, it helped her to like be able to tolerate these feelings basically, you know, totally. um, you know, and I wish she had, you know, been able to find other ways. And, you know, it helped her to be able to to survive it. So yeah. Um, yeah, and, you know, I don't know about you, but I feel like this is something that happens more often than we probably think, you know, um, mm-hmm. is this something that you've heard before you've you? Is this something that you know, you hear often enough? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I've heard this very often in my practice. And, you know, sexual trauma and trauma in general is so much more common than we realize. Like a lot of people walking around out there have a history like this and have figured out, you know, some way of coping with it. And it might not be the most adaptive coping mechanism in their adult life, but it served a purpose at some point, you know, Mm -hmm. it was, especially for, you know, when you're 10 years old, I think it's hard to be cognitively able to say like, well, this isn't a healthy coping mechanism. Let me (laughs) find something out there, you know? So like she stumbled upon food as a way to self-soothe. It felt good. And she kept doing it. Like I always tell my clients, human beings are very adaptive and, you know, they gravitate towards things that, that help them in a certain, in a certain way. So like this didn't, come out of nowhere. You know, she found food, um, really comforting and maybe it was the only coping skill available, her available to her then. So Mm -hmm. she found it for a reason, you know, it just so happens that now it's become a problem in her life and it's not serving her, but to sort of, you know, just have compassion for herself that she found that coping skill when, you know, nothing else seemed to work. Yeah. And what a really shitty thing to experience too. Like the one coping Mm -hmm. mechanism she found to deal with this trauma or to tolerate just that experience was like yanked away from her. And then she felt ashamed of like this coping mechanism. You know, I feel like it's like almost like this double trauma that she experienced. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. I was thinking this metaphor popped into my head when I was reading it of like a kid with a security blanket where it's like, you know, they're 12 years old and still walking around with a security blanket and people are making fun of them. And, you know, it becomes a thing of like, well, how can we get them to put down the security blanket? And really, like, why is a 12 year old still walking around with a security blanket? You know, let's look at that rather Mm -hmm. than than demonizing the coping mechanism. Right. Yeah. So, you know, do you feel this letter writer, do you feel like, do you think she's too damaged to restore her relationship with food? I, I kind of say that tongue in cheek because I don't think so. But like she asked no. that, you know, do you feel like there's hope for her? Absolutely. There's definitely hope for her. I think both in the realm of food and in the realm of recovering from this underlying trauma, because that's really, I think, probably the the thing that's going to lead to sustainable recovery from the food issues. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I've seen people recover from both, you know, trauma and eating disorders. Um, I've seen people recover from both together, like, you know, 
they had a, a co-occurring condition of both of those things and they recovered from both of them. So, you know, it's absolutely possible. And I'm living proof of eating disorder recovery as well. So I know firsthand it, it doesn't always have to be this way. She's absolutely not mm-hmm. too damaged. Yeah. Yeah. Or I damaged at all, really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, well, what do you feel like are her first few steps she should take? You know, if she's kind of at this like, bottom and she's like oh I'm too damaged and we're trying we're like saying no no you have there's lots of hope for you you know what what are those first things that she can do yeah I think the biggest thing is reaching out and finding a professional like a therapist who can really help her um you know, work through these issues and find healthier coping mechanisms, but also process the trauma that's underlying. So, you know, not to just, you know, work on taking away the food, right. And leaving her without any sort of coping mechanism in its place, because of course that's not going to work. And it sounds like that's what dieting and worrying about her weight has done is just, you know, it's like left her completely adrift, um, or left her locked in the cycle of battling with her body instead of finding a really sustainable coping mechanism. So I think finding a therapist who understands both, you know, body positivity and eating disorder recovery and trauma, um, or maybe a treatment team that understands those things, you know, a therapist that specializes in trauma and eating disorders, a dietitian who's body positive and health at every size oriented, um, probably would be her best bet for really you know, comprehensively addressing these issues. Yeah, you know, I agree. And you know, I don't know about you, but I've worked with lots of people and talked to people about their kind of quote unquote attempts at finding food peace or experiencing more peace with food. And they'll often talk about how it just didn't work for them. And what it it seems to be is like, like you said, they're not getting to like that underlying kind of issue or, you know, how food became this coping strategy. They're not getting to like, that core experience. And, Mm -hmm. you know, because one thing I have found just from talking to people is that when we work on um, intuitive eating or mindful eating, and we help people to reconnect to their body and trust their body, when they do have an intolerable kind of experience or emotion, um, sometimes they find that the binging or any kind of eating behavior just doesn't feel as soothing and it can be really, mm-hmm. de- really stressful. And so um, I think you're right, like finding a professional who's going to be able to really sort through the trauma. And if they've done that before, like maybe just try a different type of uh, mm-hmm. trauma professional because there's so many really cool counseling um opportunities now, like different kind of philosophies and modalities. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'll, I'll put some in the show notes. But I'm wondering, do you have like a resource that you like to give people to help them find body positive therapists or dietitians? Is there any that you really like to to give to people? Yeah, I think it's kind of like a puzzle, right? Trying to Mm -hmm. fit together like, you know, people who have that philosophy and also have the um, trauma experience. So I kind of like cross reference a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think a great place to start on the sort of intuitive eating um, health at every size front is looking through there's a website called hayescommunity.com, health at every size community.com, mm-hmm. um, which has like people who've signed a pledge to be pre.
pro health at every size in various disciplines. So you can search by, you know, psychotherapist, social worker, dietitian, primary care doctor, um, search through different categories and find people who are, are, you know, pro health at every size. Um, and then there's also the intuitive eating, uh, certified intuitive eating counselors directory, which I think is great for finding, you know, if you see someone who's a therapist in there, you can like cross reference with, okay, Ooh, they, yeah, that's um, good you know, are they on this pledge or are they, do they specialize in trauma? Do they have this background? And then for, um, finding trauma specialists, there's two resources I really love that I recommend to people. Um, one is the anxiety and depression association of America website. It's, um, ADA, A-D-A-A.org. And they have like a treatment finder on there. And then, um, EMDR, which is like this really cool, um, modality of therapy for addressing trauma specifically. And it's very like gentle and sort of, I think easily tolerated as a, as a type of trauma therapy. Um, and that is emdria.org. That's like the EMDR mm-hmm. association's website. So they have like a treatment finder there. Mm-hmm. So it's, I don't know of anything that's like everything in one place. But if you kind of look at those references and cross reference and see like who seems to match up, you can probably find someone who's a good fit. Fabulous. And of course, I'll put all those in the show notes. It'll be really easy. You can just click on them if you're driving or something. And also something I add in there too is um, the eating disorder dietitians um, kind of consortium. And you know, something about that though is not every eating disorder dietitian would say they're health at every size. So the cross, mm-hmm. cross-referencing needs to happen um, or just like try to get them on the phone and, and see if they will fit. And um, I don't know about you, but if people shoot me an email and they're like, I live in Iowa and I'm looking for a Hayes dietitian, can you help me find one? I'm like, sure, I'll help you find one. Yeah. Because we're kind of a tight-knit community. So, you know, you can also just shoot me an email and I can help you find somebody in your neck of the woods. So um, those are super helpful for sure. Um and, you know, I'm wondering if there, if there are there other, excuse me, I can't even talk. Are there other, <laughs> are there other steps that you're, besides finding a professional, like, are there any other steps that you're thinking would be good kind of first steps for this letter writer? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a couple books that could be really helpful in just sort of um, understanding her situation and having a little more compassion because I see really the first step seems to be, you know, just having compassion for what she's going through because, Self-compassion really helps lead to better, um, better health, better well-being, better outcomes in various areas um, than berating yourself or fighting against, you know, your your behaviors or your body or whatever. And it sounds from the letter like she has a little bit of of that sort of um, fight in her relationship with food and her body. You know, she's battling and she she feels ruined and damaged. And so, you know, I think developing some compassion would be, would be really helpful. Actually, I keep saying her, but oh no, she did say little girl. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, was I assuming this was a female? But no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I was, I was too. Yeah. And she did say she, so she, yeah, yeah, but totally. I, of course I feel like I think anyone of any gender identification would uh, say, you know, there's people out there mm-hmm. in all walks of life that have experienced something similar for sure. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Well, those are really great ideas. And um, certainly like self-compassion, it's something that, um, especially in the eating world, it's not always talked about. It's it's kind of more didactic or, you know, do this or that. Mm-hmm. And self-compassion, I feel like is the foundation of 
uh, a way relating to food that's going to be health promoting long term and body positive, you know, and um, mm-hmm. it's not something that we're really necessarily taught, um, especially at a young age, you know, and I think it's, it's something that can be vital for this for this letter writer for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like she didn't really get it from her family specifically around this issue. You know, it was like she was hurting and in pain and she was turning to food for comfort. And instead of thinking like, why are you in pain? Let's get to the root of that and let's have compassion for that. It was like, what are you doing with food? You need to change your body's too big. You know, all this Mm -hmm. sort of um, surface level stuff. And then and that really sort of took her away from being able to get the compassion she needed for what Mm -hmm. happened to her. So yeah, you know, and something I just thought about too, Christy, is like if if someone is listening that has a child and maybe you've noticed that their bodies change, you know, something to keep in mind is people's bodies change all the time and they haven't mm-hmm. been abused or they're not eating in a way that's different or to cope. And, you know, sometimes bodies are just different sizes. Um, and if a, a parent or caregiver feels that instinct to be like, almost like the security blanket metaphor you gave us, you know, if, if they're feeling that kind of need to do that to maybe step back and be like, well, maybe the eating is a symptom of something else. Maybe it's a, you know, a sign that they need something or there's an unmet need. And I, mm-hmm. I can appreciate as a parent, that would be tough in the throes of the chaos and the, <laughs> the craziness that can happen. Yeah. But I feel like if you are listening and you may be thinking maybe something else is going on. Um, it may be really helpful long term because, you know, like this letter writer said, she's never not had a, uh, an issue with food. And so mm-hmm. um, maybe it can help prevent some kind of um, relationship that is so up and down. So totally. Um, yeah. yeah. I, it's reminding me of a, another client I had recently who, um, her, uh, granddaughter was having some like sudden weight gain and, and lots of like, um, turning to food for comfort and sort of seeming binge eating that, that this person was noticing. Um, and her parents had just gone through a really acrimonious divorce and there was a lot of tension in the home. And, you know, it was sort of right around that time that this child started behaving this way around food. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the grandmother was like, well, you know, how can I help her with, with her weight? How can I help her with her eating so that she's not, you know, gaining weight in an unhealthy way? Because this is, you know, this isn't right for her if she's just, you know, gaining weight through binging. And I sort of helped her reframe that as like, it's not, it doesn't matter about what's happening with her weight or her eat, you know, like the, the surface level stuff is like the weight and the eating, but what's really going on for her is that, you know, she's acting out her feelings about the divorce through food and, you know, can you help her, um, kind of develop a, a healthy relationship with food through that, but also get the help she needs for processing the divorce mm-hmm. and managing her feelings. Yeah. Um, So I recommended a book to her that she found helpful that, you know, if anyone else is kind of going through the same thing, um, Your Child's Weight, Helping Without Harming by Ellen Satter was really Mm -hmm. a fantastic resource. Yes, I love that book. Um, I feel like I need to have like an Ellen Satter jingle on my show. (laughs) Ellen Satter or Intuitive Eating One because there's always, there's moments like almost every episode where I, I mention them, but I mean, Ellen Satter, especially, you know, because we've lived in this world that's so fat phobic and with mm-hmm. our, especially with our children and people are screaming epidemic and, you know, these words that are just like so crisis oriented. And, um, you know, something that Ellen Satter does is she has this like very practical kind of voice and 
you know, it's like, look, no, this is what we need to do. Okay. And Mm -hmm. it's about something else. So I don't know. There's something about the way I read her words. She just sounds like this very rational, practical woman who is, can help take care of it all. You know? So um, I do love that book for sure. And that's such a great tone for parents too, Mm -hmm. because I think it can be so you know, frightening to know that your kid is going through something that you don't have much control over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, something else I was thinking about too, when you were talking about that is, um, I don't know if you know, Barbara Bersinger or her, her work. Oh, yeah. Have you, uh, she's a dietitian out of California and like something that she taught me that, um, I don't know if you've spent time with her or done any work with her, but like just that how, when we have a craving for any kind of behavior that's um, disordered with eating or have a craving for a certain kind of food that it usually has a code for something, you know, it's like mm-hmm. an unmet need. And for this letter writer, that's something that I'm thinking about too, is, you know, I wonder if she could, maybe she lives near Barbara. <laughs> she can give her a call. I'll put a link to her in the show notes, just in case you're in yeah. Northern California. But, um, you know, just even like when a person is going to eat a food and they're kind of in the moment knowing that this is something that's not out of a physical hunger, but more something else. And just even simply asking, you know, what, what, what was just happening? And what do I really need when Mm -hmm. this happens? And I think those are some really great first questions to ask and just let yourself with compassion. I feel like if you don't have compassion, you can't do that, you know, but Mm -hmm. like using compassion to kind of help that information bubble to the surface. So then you can really like start to nurture that part that needs to heal. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's such a great set of questions. You know, what am I feeling and what do I need? Mm -hmm. It's like Mm -hmm. so simple, but even to just pause and ask that is kind of a radical act. Yeah. Yeah. And like to know that you have the information, um, you don't have to look through some diet book and you don't need to scold yourself that, you know, it's just it's just a need that your body has. It's a, a different kind of hunger. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you can meet it through soothing yourself or you can like if the if the feeling is um, loneliness, you know, what do you usually need when you're lonely? Like what helps you to cope with that and and mm-hmm. trying to experiment with those things? So, um, Christy, I think your insight was just so incredible. I'm so glad that you have helped this letter writer. And, you know, I know you have a a really cool project um, that you're working on that I just am totally loving. So I want uh, my listeners to hear a little bit more about it. And I would love for you to be able to tell us a little bit more about where they can reach you. Oh, thank you so much, Julie. It's Mm -hmm. really a pleasure to be here and to talk with you. I could talk with you all day. Um, (laughs) But people can find me uh, online at christyharrison.com. And I have an online course. Uh, It's it's called Intuitive Eating Fundamentals. And it's 13 weeks of working through the principles of intuitive eating, but also kind of some of the deeper stuff that can prevent people from putting the principles into practice at first. So um, I do look a lot at self-compassion. And actually, the whole first module is devoted in part to self-compassion. Um, and that's sort of woven throughout the course so that, you know, all the changes people are making are from this groundwork of self-compassion, which has actually been shown to be more effective in making changes for your health than anything else. Um, so it's a really cool program and I, I, I'm really enjoying running it. So I'm in my first uh, cohort right now. The first people are getting towards the end of it and uh, it's still open for enrollment. So people can find that at christyharrison.com slash course. And then my podcast is christyharrison.com slash food psych. 
Awesome. Yes. Food psych is, is incredible. You are like, I love how you interview and you always have really great, like empowering, but also like invigorating people, you know, that kind of make you mm. think. So I love, I love your podcast. So thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you I so love much. Yours too. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so great that there's more dietitians and also body positive dietitians that are speaking out in the podcast world. So um, I'm so glad we've been able to connect today. And I'm so thankful that you've given us your expertise and your time. So, um, you know, keep in touch and take care. Absolutely. Thank you, Julie. Thank you. So letter writer, we believe in you and we have hope for your recovery. And I also want to mention that the resources that Christy um, taught us about in this episode, I'm going to go ahead and put those in the food peace syllabus. And if you're new to the podcast, the food peace syllabus is a collection of resources that I've been cultivating since I started this podcast that um, can kind of further enhance your kind of course and and healing your relationship with food. So I'm going to go ahead and put those in there. They'll be in the show notes and also on the syllabus. So I see that food has written you back, um, letter writer. And until we get to food, I just want to tell you, thank you so much for your brave letter. I hope you can appreciate that. There are so many people who are listening to this right now who are reflecting and like, oh my gosh, someone is experiencing the same thing as me. I thought I was the only one. I know that doesn't take away the pain, but I do hope it helps to know that there are other people who are kind of trying to navigate their ship in a similar storm. So let's hear what food has to say and please take care. Dear Damage Beyond Repair, sit with me and let's reflect on your courageous life so far. You bravely survived experiences no child should have to endure. And you did. You endured. I know you're wanting to move on and you keep trying. Consider finding another compassionate, non-judgmental ally to sit with us on this bench. This person will listen and help you find ways to heal. Don't be ashamed if you need to add a few healing voices to this resting place. Together, with them, you can continue your brave work and fully awaken. The world has been waiting for you. Love, food. Do you have a complicated relationship with food and want to change? I want to help. Send your dear food letter to lovefoodpodcast at gmail.com. I hope to read about your experiences soon. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is the Love Food series. Have you enjoyed the show, or would you like to give me feedback? I welcome your thoughts. Please give a review in iTunes and subscribe. This type of kindness helps the show continue. You can also tweet me at eatingpermitrd. Take care. When you need 
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.